The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Calafia mm, Farms. Fine. fine almond milk. They have a couple of rad things that just rolled off the product line. If you want something that's creamy with coffee and delicious, try out some of their nitro cold brew stuff. They have three different kinds. They have a New Orleans, they have a mocha, and the latte. Yes, sir. Three different flavors. Those things are so good. They're so creamy. And uh, you can also look on their blog. Chris and I have been putting together some things for the old uh, the recipes that you can use these drinks with. The Calafia stuff is really good. Central American coffees, Colombian coffee go into those uh, products. And they, they froth. They froth. They, they foam. They they're, cream. They're cream. Cream so, foam. Cream foam. Get a nice cream foam. Yeah. It's thinking different. Anyway, check it out. Yeah. And uh, thanks a lot, Calafia. You guys are the bomb, and I really love your products. Respect. So much respect. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. I'm on a Skype call with Jared Truby. Hey, guys. We're in different places, but we're still coming through the speakers to your faces. I just rhymed. Whoa, dude. That was Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang? You sick Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang! I opened the shop and Jared's got 80th birthday party to go to? Yeah, dude. Grandpa turns 80. We got a whole shindig. <laughs> Grandpa turns 80. But we did not forget about you there. No. In cast land. No, we didn't forget. Just took a sec. We're here for you. We're here for you all day. Chris slammed the bar out. He made some toast. <laughs> Served me some espresso. I picked up pastries at 5.30 this morning. It's how you do it. Toast was good. I'm to- all here. You want some toast? Maybe I'll put some jam on it. Dude. Cheese on it. You're like, jam only? Maybe I'll put some prosciutto on it. Dude, so this this episode, we had a, we had a guy who we, who wrote in and kind of did a follow-up because we had answered his question. His name's Matt Boone. And so this is going to maybe spur our little topic. I'm going to read it to you. So Matt Boone, we wrote, he wrote us a little while back about his favorite shop and like wondering if they'd be able to um, improve their game by offering specialty coffee and charging more money and so on and so forth. And that was a while back on one of our episodes. Then he, he followed up and he's all, thanks for the discussion about second wave shops really made me think about the local shops here and their place in the big picture. And then he puts a little, yeah, I'm really behind on podcasts trying to catch up. I was surprised to hear you describe the shop I mentioned as Second Wave, as I consider their coffee program to be really old school. We talked a lot in the industry about Third Wave, and I always thought that that meant there were three distinct stages in the evolution of specialty coffee. So to hear a non-specialty shop described as Second Wave got me curious to hear more. What exactly would you define as second wave? And what was the first wave? <laughs> Such an awesome question. I know. A lot of people, I mean, that's because it's kind of a a big load anyway. But it's, there's there's some things. There's some benchmarks that at least you and I talk about in consideration of first, second, third wave. Especially yeah. coffee as well. SCAA officially say anything? I don't know. Oh, did you cut out for a second? No, I did not. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's my reception. Yeah, I don't know if the SCAA has a stance on this. And this is going to be a... So before we get started on this, let's just say that we're going to talk about this and then someone's going to write in and they're going to say that we're just like full of it. Or we're just just claiming it. Or that we missed this and missed that and this and that. So part of this is going to be from our experience and then part of this is just things that I've learned over the years... And as it was explained to me, and some of this is covered, I think, not in great detail, 
but in some of like the BGA, so I guess it would be covered in the SCAA curriculum. They talk about it briefly, I remember from my time on the executive council, but it's kind of breezed over. And then another thing, and we'll we'll get more nitpicky when we get into this, right. is that these waves are like really big. So especially when we get to third wave, I think there's going to be a big discussion about what is third wave, what isn't third wave. It should there be something else that classifies like specialty after the third wave because they're really big chunks. That's awesome. So yep, I totally uh, agree. <laughs> it's, so it's going to get wild and. Like I said, people are probably going to write in because people feel very strongly about this. And some <laughs> of the people that we're going to quote that are, you know, kind of invented some of these terms. If you want to write in, that's super rad, too, because we could probably do a whole another podcast on this and maybe have some of the people on there. Yeah, there are people who are a little older and wiser than Chris and I in the coffee industry. Yeah, especially in terms of things like this, where there's, you know, um, I like the history stuff, but there's definitely some people who are way deeper in the game. So with that disclaimer, let's just kick this thing off. First wave. First wave. So the first wave doesn't have anything to do with specialty. The first wave is basically referring to coffee as a commodity. So, and again, just because of the history that I have, this is going to refer to, you know, coffee in the United States. I don't know if this is necessarily a worldwide phenomenon. It's just us figuring it out. Yeah, the first wave is just basically referring to coffee as a commodity. So you got your generic coffee in the can that you get at the grocery store or the gas station. You don't think about it. You just drink it. Huge old school big box coffee chains. Probably like a lot of the coffees that I grew up, you know, that my grandparents would make or yeah. even my mom, you know. Totally. I mean, I that's... And that's a lot of our first uh, experiences with coffee, right? I mean, for you and I, it was our parents drinking coffee at home, right? It was the thing. And for me, my grandparents, too. Just gnarly coffee, smelled so strong. You wake up in the morning, somehow grandma's already up at 3 a.m. <laughs> She's just drinking black coffee in the kitchen, reading the paper. And I think the point to be garnered from like this first wave of coffee thing is that it's Nobody thought about coffee as being anything more than just a drink that you had. You know, it, it's certainly nowhere near. Nobody was thinking about origins or where does it come from or even really flavor profiles. Like, what does it taste like? Well, it tastes like coffee. What do you mean? What does it taste like? Right. It's coffee. Yeah. And then the crystals had more po- more power and punch. More power, <laughs> more punch. The... um. It's it's mountain grown, you know. Folgers was mountain grown. They were oh, claiming that, yeah. so they were kind of. That was kind of interesting because it's like a little nod to the acknowledgement that maybe you know higher elevation coffees are going to be more complex and sweet without actually even coming anywhere near close to saying it. But right. or then like, like Juan Valdez, they were show they'd always show him like cruising around the mountains of Colombia, and they're like, "This is Colombian coffee." Colombian, yeah. He, and dude, what a marketing campaign! It's right? kind of awesome. Yeah. I mean, I guess the big and important factor is that this was the beginning of coffee as a lifestyle thing that people had every single day, right? Yeah, it's just something that you have. Something that you have that's there, but you don't think about it. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. And it's, if you want to be like absolutely just blown away, you can look at all those vintage coffee commercials. Some of them are just horrific. It's, I don't know. 
it's amazing. Without actually me saying amazing. more. <laughs> actually amazing. It's only just half of, a cup, Chris. It's the caffeine. Only half a cup. Fill it to the rim with brim. <laughs> brim decaffeinated coffee. So huge marketing push. But, you know, it's a lot more people were drinking coffee. Coffee was becoming, you know, it's a national phenomenon, but nobody cared about it. That's first wave. So it doesn't first necessarily wave. have anything to do with specialty. True. But it, it affected us because we came from it originally. Yeah. So but, that's... I don't know. I don't have anything more on the first no, wave. Yeah, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. But that's that's what we're calling the first wave, and that's what we tell our staff as well. So that's what that's our educational value on that. Down with that uh, second wave. Right. I mean, it's it's espresso. It's anything. Well, espresso machinery, right? It, it's not necessarily a ton about the specialty, the special coffee, but more the preparation of espresso drinks and some you know attention to detail there, right? It's yeah, like a that's big part how- of it. I think yeah, I think about it as the introduction to specialty coffee beverages to the US. And when I say specialty coffee beverages, I'm talking about what you're talking about, which is espresso-based beverages, namely the latte and the cappuccino. Yep. Coming to be like these mainstays. Cuz if you rewind back, you know, years and years and years, it's I I remember growing up and there was, before any Starbucks or anything were in our town, there was a little shop that opened in the late 80s that did espressos, mochas, and lattes, which was totally unheard of. It was Dude, like 1989 huge. or something like yeah. that. And it wasn't, it's hard to think about, but it wasn't a thing. Like when we were little kids, it's not like our parents, when we were very young anyway, were not going to get lattes on the way to work. No, it's not like at all. not what was going down. You had some black coffee, some brewed coffee. And that was it. No one's like, oh, let me let me stop in and get a cappuccino. You'd be like, what? You're going to get a what? Oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> For real, dude. <laughs> it's like, which is crazy to think about. Like, think about the latte. It's it's a cultural phenomenon that just didn't exist in the 1970s, at least here. Right. You know? I don't even know if it existed in, in Italy, right? I mean, nobody talks about lattes in Italy. Well, yeah. Or even just, I mean, maybe the latte and someone... Someone write in on our history on this. Um, the latte, I think, is probably more of an American invention. Cafe and latte. I, I say that like begrudgingly. <laughs> you know, it's like where the Italians definitely were drinking espresso and steamed milk in the form of cappuccinos and macchiatos. Right. And the first, you know, really like like modern pump-driven espresso machines, I think, is like 1946 by the Gaja company. I oh, think yeah. I have that right. You probably so, do. So, you know, then you've got you've got cappuccinos in Italy since back in the day. But then that finally made its way here. And then you have these bigger or, you know, bigger now and definitely bigger at the time, but not as big as they were. Starbucks, like pushing the boundaries, like basically introducing these specialty beverages to the people here. Right. And that is like a game changer. Huge game changer. I mean, honestly, that still was a big deal. Me growing up in my little little valley town of Chico, I still remember we would go on these trips down to see my grandparents in Vallejo and there was a couple places in between Chico and Vallejo who had gotten Starbucks. It was that early and my parents would always be like, oh, we got to stop at a Starbucks and get, you know, whatever they got, which was probably something sweet. I think my dad got normally coffee, but my mom got one of the sweet drinks and it was always a big deal because we go to this coffee shop that made the best coffee and it was like, I mean, it was the best coffee I think at the time or, you know, at least it was the most prevalent coffee that was making espresso beverages. And it was, I mean, I thought it was good and it smelled, you know, there's that Starbucks smell, man. 
they all Dude, smell like that. Yeah, it's pretty legit. I like it. I mean, I it, do too. It brings back safe. memories, you know? Yeah, it's fully safe and nostalgic. And I, I mean, I don't dislike it. It's still actually, it's one of my, uh, it's it's one of the things that I love when I go down to Disneyland. I go to their crazy intense Starbucks that they set up like a theater and I get a clover and a super sweet drink and I just do it. And it's fun. <laughs> Turn so my brain many, off. Dude, so many cool things came out of that. And I'm probably going to get a lot of these details mixed up too, but here's the general idea. Like Kent and the whole crew at La Marzocco USA, like way, way, way back in the day before there was La Marzocco USA, they were bringing these La Marzocco machines, which at the time was like this really, really small company in Italy. And they're relatively still a small company for like a, a big company, if that even makes sense. Right. Um, but they got connected with some of the people at Starbucks. And this was, you know, Plumber Zook is like pretty much the first machine to use like the dual boiler technology. They have the saturated group. And the dudes at Starbucks are like, yeah, we want those machines. And they're like, sweet, cool. And they talk to the guys in uh, Italy, Piero, and like the whole crew. And they're like, yeah, we can't make that many machines. That's ridiculous. And they're like, <laughs> Well, what if we maybe like buy part of the company and do some of the stuff in Seattle and scale up the production? And then like this whole empire that is La Marzocco is just, you know, born. It's already a company, but this is just like huge. And that's why you see like these, the, you know, the Linea Classic. That was like its heyday. Right. In all these Starbucks. And I don't know if you still can, but 10 years ago or so, you could get smoking deals on like eBay, especially through First Line of all these old, Linea Classics that Starbucks started phasing out to um, put in their super autos. It's so crazy. <laughs> Which is crazy. So for people, you know, people love, of course, like in our sphere of influence, like people love to bash Starbucks and like poke fun at them and stuff. But a lot of the things that we have are directly be because of them and people who worked with them to bring some of these awesome things here. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for Starbucks, it wouldn't be for this whole third wave situation anyway. Because we'd have nowhere to go. There would just be no, I mean, there would be no, like, cultural awareness, right? Right. Specialty drink is, like, there's this cultural awareness that coffee can be something more than just something that you, like, burn on your hot plate or, like, brew at your house. Like, it can be constructed into, like, these beautiful beverages. Exactly. It's just rad. And they're like, wait a sec, what? <laughs> like, yeah. They're like, ooh, this is fancy. It's got froth on it. Yeah, they steep the milk. Like, can you imagine going to get like a coffee with some hot, foamy milk in there? And I wonder how many people that have pretty legit careers, even besides the machinery, went to Starbucks in those early years and worked a bit and learned. And they were like, okay, I'm gonna take what they got going on, and even if it didn't ever get huge like Starbucks, you know, made a big impact somewhere else by them taking those ideas and then improving upon them somewhere else. Oh, I. I probably a lot of probably them insane amounts of people which i'd love to hear anybody who listens to this podcast who maybe went on to do something that maybe got their start at starbucks that'd be kind of cool to hear dude that'd be super sick right yeah. in and then also you know we're throwing starbucks around because it's one of the biggest the biggest probably and most prolific chain like this there's like pete's who's doing similar things you know there's other companies but right we starbucks is them, kind of like the poster child. yeah exactly your poster child they're the ones everybody remembers first unless you were the pete's person in berkeley who was just sitting there with the local coach down there dude 
getting your sig butts on and <laughs> doing your poetry. <laughs> Keeping it so California. <laughs> just all the beatniks chilling. Just yeah. beatniks. Doing this. <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah, yeah it is. That's where it used the, to be. That's yeah. where that Seattle coffee culture that everybody took and was like, now I'm going to do a third wave coffee with that same, you know, Seattle grunge rock vibe came from, right? Dude. <laughs> the style is just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, huh. so then, I mean, it's not officially third wave, or is it? Like, did did Shomer and some people decide to take it to the next next because latte art is kind of, you know, oh, latte art's like man. the big indicator for third wave to start, right? Well, okay, yeah, this is, so, okay, this is where it gets really confusing. Right. This is where it's just, like, gets really muddy and mucky. So, third wave, and I'm 99% sure that this term was coined by Trish, Rothgeb over at Wrecking Ball. When, I mean, she wasn't at Wrecking Ball then because Wrecking Ball didn't exist then. Um, but the idea behind third wave coffee, as it was explained to me, is appreciating the coffee for what it is. The coffee had a story. Like you're, you're buying coffee that's uh, got a distinct origin, and more than that, it's got a distinct flavor profile. And what we talked about, especially in my beginning days at Ritual, was like, the idea of the third wave was just letting the coffee speak for itself and that it didn't need to be fancied up with, you know, caramel and chocolate or, or vanilla. You had these really awesome origins that had incredible flavor complexity, you know, incredible nuance. And now we're suddenly able to buy these coffee in these individual lots and we know how to brew them to accentuate the flavors of the coffee. So letting, you know, just letting the coffee speak for itself. The coffee's special enough on its own. Right. I think that's like the crux of the third wave. But people who the third wave generally gets lumped into like, okay, I pull shots to order and I make latte art. Right. Fresher coffee. Right. And that's like an indicator of like a third wave shop. Like, oh, man, I'm going to like wherever on vacation. Like, you know any third wave shops? And they're basically talking about what's a shop that cares that pours pretty patterns on milk, which isn't really the idea behind the third wave. Right. But that's what everybody started thinking it was. It's what everybody. I mean, it, it's like a good latte, conversation. <laughs> right. And it, I think we're on the same page here is that if you walk in a shop. Latte art is like a pretty good indicator of quality of the shop. It tells you that they care enough to pay attention. They care enough to do a little bit of training. So you can assume that they do that with their espresso too and their brewed coffee and not just trying to pour fancy milk drinks. Right. You know, so, but the, the thing with Shomer is like really crazy because I don't think Shomer, I don't think espresso vivace is third wave. Right. And I, I don't mean that in like a slanderous way because I am a Shomer fanboy, 100% through and through. It's true. Because he basically brought like that classic espresso style. Like he he brought latte art to the US, which is crazy. You know, he brought that like milk steaming texture, which is amazing. And a DVD. And that, <laughs> and that really like, um, like rich espresso, which I don't know if you could get that anywhere prior to that point. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, he's like really ristretto, really sweet, awesome with milk. And then, you know, he did so many other things like, you know, he was the pioneer for temperature stability. He came up with a lot of the original mods to the OG lineas, like the banjo tube mod, um, all kinds of stuff to like figure out how stable can these get these machines. But if you listen to what he's talking about, 
I don't know where he's at now, but this is, you know, his OG was like, I just want to make gr- like espresso taste like ground coffee smells. Right. And he's like an espresso guy, but like kind of like a Italian espresso guy. And his talk literally has nothing to do with coffee origins, nothing to do with like unique varietal characteristics. He's trying to create an espresso flavor profile that he likes, which I think is badass. But I don't think it's third wave. So it's more like it's more like he's doing an espresso culture and he's trying to do his own version of the Italian culture here. And he's also, you know, trying to up the game by doing latte art. Because people like I mean, didn't nicely come out of that spot and didn't Yeah, uh, Nicely's from Vivace for sure. We saw him there before he was nicely, you know. I mean right. he was nicely, but he's just like a dude. I'm like, Well, that guy's got neck tattoos. That's awesome. Yeah. Totally. And uh, he was he was ripping up latte art and our boy uh Oh, what's his face? Cole McBride came out of there too, right? I believe. I think he talked. Did about Cole it. work at Vivace? Dude, I think so. I I think he took uh put something up a little while back, maybe it's years back, but talking about how one of his pictures was still up there from one of his latte arts, and he was proud to to like been a part of that. And but I could That's be wrong, awesome. Sam. I mean, he listens. Cole, I mean, tell us tell us all about it if we're wrong. I think I think he was there though. Bronwyn worked there. Oh yeah, for a while. Um, but it's also crazy because if you rewind back to, you know, <laughs> I have these videos in my shed still. I actually just saw them the other day. But you know, his latte art video and his espresso preparation video, which is a really great starting point. And there was nothing else available at the time. And the videos are seem ancient now, but. I don't know. This guy's like literally pushing boundaries. But again, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the coffee. And I think you're right. It's like an Italian thing. Like when we went to SIC in Milan, there's like, you know, baristas there who prepared espresso properly, could steam milk properly, make pretty pictures. But they have no idea what's in the espresso. Right. You know, it comes in a bag and it's probably got some like Malabar or some like crazy Robusta stuff in there, whatever. But it wasn't. The blend wasn't the conversation. It was more about the final drink and meeting that flavor profile than what went into it, which I think that's what distinguishes the third wave is that we are caring about what are these blend components? What coffees am I drinking? Who is the farmer? What is the story? How does this work? Yeah, it's taking a little more responsibility for the whole picture. Yeah, and it's just like a totally different drink. I remember we had coffee. We started throwing it in. We were at the Electra booth making coffee for these Italian people. And within 30 minutes, the guys who are running the booth are like, you can't serve this coffee anymore. It's horrible. The Italians hate it. Thanks for, bring- <laughs> thanks for bringing your own coffee, but nobody likes it. It sucks. And we're like, cool. That's tight. <laughs> I respect you. <laughs> so, I, And I only say that because I think it's important to notice the distinction because everyone's on their high horse like, well, this is how coffee's supposed to be. But, you know, not everyone's going after the same thing. Right. I mean, and that's... Totally. So no, no, I, you know, I'm not an Italian espresso hater, well, even if it's not what we serve. You know, it's also some people's qualms with the third wave scene. Anyway, is that they have felt like we tried to force it down their throats a little bit. So Dude, for sure, everybody knows that. we've talked about that on a many an episode in a, in a roundabout sort of way. But yeah, the third wave also came with this ideal that we were right because we knew something that everybody else didn't, and we have to tell you that you're wrong. And if you don't drink our coffee, you're an idiot. But that's okay. You don't have to drink our coffee because we don't give a shit about you. (laughs) I definitely experienced that or listened to that happen in many a shop for a little while. And it always kind of freaked me out. 
but that's just because I was like non-confrontational in that way. And these guys were, these baristas were super badass and like <laughs> hardcore edgy people. But yeah, I, I, that definitely used to happen all the time. And I think, I think that even has rounded out a whole lot comparatively to when, I mean, when third wave jumped off, I wonder, you know, like, was there, was there kind of a leader in that attitude without it necessarily, you know, I'm I'm sure the people who kind of started that attitude didn't mean for it to f- come off the way it did. I feel like maybe, you know, Stumptown came off as is hardcore, but not, they weren't trying to be bad at service. I think they were trying to be like stand up for who we are, sort of situation. And then people took it to the next next. Yeah, dude, I think it was us. <laughs> All the baristas out there. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to look at it from now, but that was like happening during our era when we were coming up, and I think it was not necessarily you and me personally probably probably more me than you <laughs> but like you know what i mean like we were we were having some like pretty intense conversations <laughs> baka says i gotta believe well think about it i mean okay so it's 2007 whatever 2005 five six seven, like that whole thing you're trying to legitimize your industry you're trying so hard to show people that what you're doing is special so you've got latte art which is a great indicator but then all of a sudden more people start doing latte art and you're like no i have like really special coffees here it goes beyond the latte art but people are like yeah dude whatever it's like seven in the morning give me my cappuccino i'm like gonna go and you're like no you don't get it so imagine the people like me Ben Kaminsky, Ryan Brown, like all of like all these people who are great, you know, <laughs> right. Kyle Glanville, whoever, and how intense our personalities are, but also we're like 26 years old. Hungry, full like, of testosterone. You were like, dude, you gotta <laughs> listen, bro. Dude, this is some next level shit, man. Dude, you're not understanding me. They're like, yeah, yeah, Guatemala. You're all, no, not just Guatemala. I know the farmer. I know the real this shit is Katura, man. You gotta listen to me. It's a- <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> you guys, it was like being crackheads. Is basically it was amazing, it was. yeah. <laughs> we're, like, we're like Dave Chappelle in that just skit. Just a bunch of crackheads. <laughs> just like scratching, like tweaking out <laughs> so hard. No, okay, I do get that because I, I used to try to spout information about the coffee immediately instead of just allowing somebody to experience it for themselves. I used to try to make them taste the the cinnamon and the, the banana. They're like, totally. Which, <laughs> the cinnamon and the fair. banana. <laughs> They're all, what the, Jared did what? It's you not know, a smoothie, cinnamon? asshole. <laughs> Banana latte? <laughs> <laughs> There's a talk. Oh, oh, man. But, I mean, we're just kids and we're experimenting, right? Everybody we're, experiments. We're playing with stuff. You know, we're younger. This is a new industry. We don't actually know what works. So, we're just like, I don't know. Let's just check it out. Also, figure it out. here's something else that I think is arguably important. There wasn't a core group of leaders in our industry speaking for the service culture. They were all, they were all actually kind of backing what, what you and I and people were up to, you know what I'm saying? They, nobody was coming at it from like the ability to look at it from the guest point of view at that point. It was all about like what we could do to like break ground and that, that it's important. It has to happen, but you know what I'm saying? I wonder if it would have been taken differently if there was like a more rounded group of people leading this charge and being like, okay, this is all sick, but we also have to temper it with all of this stuff too. Anyway, yeah. that just popped into my head. Yeah, I think it was just so far gone from anybody's mind. And fresh. It was fresh. 
and fresh. And plus, you've got, I don't know, you, you've got these coffee cultures developing in these bigger metropolitan areas where you can just get away with so much more and service isn't as much of an issue. Right. In the in the sense of like for okay, for us right now in Santa Cruz, if we give bad service, it's over. Nobody nobody comes in. Yeah, we quit. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter how cool we think we are. It's just like not a thing. But when I was working at Ritual in 2006, we could give anybody bad service and they would still come in. <laughs> but it was a different time. I mean, okay, you take densely populated metropolitan area, San Francisco, and you've got basically two places that you can get coffee like this. One is the Blue Bottle kiosk in Hayes Valley. And right. the other is basically Ritual. And there's a couple of little tiny, you know, Cafe Organico's there for a second. But again, it's 2006. There's mm-hmm. there's no four barrel. You know, there's no um what there's nothing. There's nothing else there. There was nothing else there. <laughs> there's like the North Beach Italian espresso, but for the new modern style, that was it. So it's like and it's not like we were trying to be assholes, or even we were. Like I had good relationships with my customers, but it just wasn't a thing you had to talk about because I was like, we got a line of do- out the door and around the block, and it's just going to be like that. Right. Straight up, like, make your order and move along. Now there's more options, you know. There's, right. there's more places you can go, and yeah, especially for us, smaller town, it's just not going to work. Right. So I guess that's, yeah, I mean, generally that's that's all a lot of the third wave, and then I mean, it's funny because these whole, all these waves, I, I get it. Somebody's trying to put identifiers on something, but you're right. It's it's really it's really hard to to pick out and decide like the waves because at this point it's almost like now we've got a tsunami. There's a hundred million different individual roasters. <laughs> tsunami. <laughs> yeah, that's the fourth. There's no such thing as a fourth wave. Tsunami. All the water got sucked out, and now we've just explo- We've cracked and it's going off out there. <laughs> everybody's roasting there's there's a service style for everyone there's a coffee style for most everyone out there and you've got a mishmash of everything happening from food programs and people trying to say that they have coffee shops that are actually restaurants and and just all sorts of crazy stuff going on and i think that's good but it is kind of an interesting time again for coffee because it's I think for a long time it was it was able to be semi semi placed in sort of the same box and now the only maybe thing that works across the board is that they use coffee in their preparation and that's about it like everybody's got something pretty different these days for sure that definitely it's like I struggle with this so much me too there's also if you talk about the third to talk about third wave there's really no quality implication that goes along with it. So let's say you have someone who roasts really awesome coffee, traceable coffee. You know the lots. The coffee has a story. Then you have someone who does the same thing, like same lots of Because co- you can get good coffees a lot of places now. You know, yep. you could go to Red Fox and buy a couple bags of awesome coffee. You could go to Cafe Imports, get some awesome coffee, roast it and serve it. But it doesn't actually mean that it's good. It's true. You know, are you third wave if you do all those things, but you don't train your staff well and you have crappy preparation and maybe your roasting's not super hot and then, you know, basically everything's falling apart, but you still pour latte art and still have coffee from like Arnulfo Liguizamo? Are you third wave? Like maybe, but at like, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? So 
I don't know what it means. What does any of it mean? I don't know. I don't know. know. I feel you. For me, it doesn't like the the term third wave is not useless, but it doesn't tell you as much of the story as it once did because of the things that you're saying. Like everybody's shop is so unique. Like saying that it's a third wave shop just doesn't mean that much, even if the quality is high. Like if you go to Cat and Cloud or you go to like G and B. They're both third wave shops. Yeah, but they're nothing alike. Yeah, the experiences couldn't be different. So what like what are we trying to do? Are we trying to assess quality or just lump into big general like characteristics or yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I think we moved past it, but there's no way to to qualify it anymore. I just think maybe uh we could go on the record and saying the term third wave is dead for usage for us. But it doesn't mean it's dead for everyone. Or maybe it is dead for everyone, and we can just be the first people to claim it on the internet. Yeah, maybe. I know. Third wave's dead, you guys. I said it. (laughs) R.I.P. Third wave. Rip. Rip city. I loved you. I loved your era. The era of third wave (laughs) is over. That was like the roaring 20s. The roaring 20s were were all smoking freaking unfiltered cigs and drinking on the floor. Those days are over. (laughs) And now we have to decide who we want to be. And make it count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah the wave classification just it just it's just a different it's just a different thing now. I mean, it worked up. It honestly does, though. I mean, based on you know what we've talked about here, to me, all of that makes sense, right? You've got you got canned coffee, you've got espresso coffee, then you've got kind of you know the next evolution of it of some traceability and some latte art and some focus. I mean, that all makes sense. And then after that, it's just. Like yeah, no. There's it's going to be way too hard to to claim anything more, with the exception of people are trying to put together what they call good service, and that's the current you know improvement on it. And there's a ton of other things as well, but there's also people trying to put more automation into it, and then people are going to start arguing that you know third wave coffee is not about automation; it's about manual preparation. And there's like a million arguments to be had, and so I guess at this point, it's all about individually as business owners not just us everybody out there like why are they opening their shops and what are they about dude straight up i wanted to double back double back dude on um matt's original question right where he says like he was surprised we called it a second wave shop yeah so to hear a non-specialty shop describe second wave got me curious I, i think the shop that you're talking about actually is a specialty shop well So let me pop back into it. The original question that I can pull up a little bit, um, it wasn't to him. So it was more like one of those that thrived on. It was like a classic coffee shop that did the standard pastries and food service. And the regulars like their coffee because it's predictable. But he was thinking like the specialty market's growing. And so like can the non-specialty shop diversify their offerings to include better coffee? And so, right. like, they still probably had an espresso machine. So, in my mind, you know, that's that's why for me, espresso machine computes to second wave using an espresso machine and making lattes and things. Absolutely, and I guess what I'm saying, oh, in the broad scheme of things, that is all still specialty coffee, right? As is Starbucks, as is Pete's, mm-hmm. right? Good point. All all of that. It might not be what we are considering right now, like uber high end specialty coffee. And it's may not be third wave, but it is definitely specialty coffee. It's definitely, yeah. 
I mean, that's right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can't say in this particular case because I haven't been there, but I think it's, you know, um, I think it is a specialty coffee shop. Right. It's just not a super high end modern specialty coffee shop. It's not a third wave shop. It's not a tsunami shop. That's for definitely sure. not in tsunami Krakatoa range. <laughs> it's not. It's not Krakatoa, but <laughs> it probably is specialty. And I, I know a, a lot of the people in the BGA. Alex Little John always says this. She's like, Starbucks is specialty, guys. Pizza specialty. And you know, according to the SCAA slash SCAE, you know, specialty is any coffee that's over eighty points is specialty. So if you're right. bringing in coffees over eighty points, which you know, you could buy a bunch of coffees over. At 80 and above pretty easily ones that we would definitely not have in our shop that we would never have in yep. our shop but are still specialty right think of the range that we're working from commodity up to the high-end third wave slash tsunami that's a huge range of coffee in there from like the most lowly uban to like you know the coffee that we got from you know luis pedro zelaya yeah there's like a lot of dead space in between. So there's a bunch of coffees that are like pretty good, definitely way better than commodity grade. Right. But still are nowhere near as good as stuff from Bea Vista. Yep. And then so, you could even take like an 80 point coffee and roast it really, really well. And a lot of people would still probably consider it pretty amazing too, because roasting is still like, you know, kind of a fresh thing, which is nuts. I, it's, <laughs> yep. And that's something Tonks always talks about. Yeah. Everyone's going to hate that, but I totally agree with you there. It's like for most people, you take that coffee that's probably going to score like a lot lower on the cupping table and you optimize it in the roaster. A lot of people are going to love it and it might taste better than a lot of people's like even better green coffee that's maybe not roasted as well. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think Tonks buys literally 80 point coffees for local, but he talks about you don't have to buy the most insane expensive coffees. You just have to roast them really well. And I can tell you, I've had local coffee, and it's really, really good. And I'd be, I'd be willing to bet he's buying good coffee, but he's probably not buying, you know, eighty-eight plus coffee that costs five bucks a pound. He's buying good middle-of-the-road specialty coffee and just roasting it really, really well. And it's on par with everybody's specialty coffee that I'm getting. It's kind of a trip. It is a trip. And for everyone that's listening, that's going to write in and yell at us or whatever. We're aware that the better the coffee and the better the roasting is going to be like the magical combination, but. Wait, Chris. The best product and the best quality roasting is the best. Because someone's Shh. gonna someone's gonna write in and said, "You guys said you can just buy crappy coffee and roast it well, and that's bullshit." That's not what we're saying. We're just saying that you can take those coffees, roast them really well, and they're gonna be pretty good, better also, than most people would give them credit for. Yeah, and kindly, you know, direct your anger somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> we should set up an email for my cat, and then. The really angry people could write into Max Pissed. at cloud.com. Pissed at maxbaca.com. <laughs> we should set up an email folder that's pissed at catandcloud.com, and we'll check it like once a year, and it gives just people like just full-on hate mail. Dude, you know who's not pissed about Cat and Cloud? A couple people, because I'm going into it. <laughs> I'll tell you who's not pissed about Cat and Cloud. Uh, Santa Cruz Locals, thank you so much for, for listening. There's a lot of people who are listening to the podcast now, and thank you for coming in. But also, uh, Guy Kawasaki mentioned us in a little talk at the tech dealio the other day, and uh, a lot of people were pretty excited about that. But also, Dylan Hawthorne Coffee. Dylan from Hawthorne Coffee. We're going down to San Diego, everybody, next weekend, which is a week from today, Saturday, when this webisode's coming out. 
Chris and I are going to be at Hawthorne Coffee in San Diego area all day Saturday. So you guys want to come hang out with us, you should do so. Isn't that right, Chris? It's going to be bad to the bone. We're flying in, what, Friday evening? Yeah, we'll be there Friday evening. Not there personally, but we'll be in that area. NSD. And then I don't know what we have planned for. I mean, we're going to work on bar. We're going to make coffee and hang out. All day. We should probably roast some special sauce, maybe. Yeah, we'll bring some special sauce that only we have. They uh, Hawthorne actually put a picture of us up and tagged us. So everybody, anybody who follows them, there's a picture of Chris and I. It says Cat and Cloud Bar Takeover Alert. The men, the myths, the legends. This just popped out on the internet <laughs> right now. The fellas from Amazing. Cat and Cloud. Me and Chris will be doing a bar takeover at Hawthorne Saturday the 12th. Come grab a drink from these legendary slangers. Oh, legendary. Everybody yeah. should come. Oh, this is going to be so fun. It is going to be fun. Please I come. Was, Oh, man. I'm so glad that Dylan wants to do it like this. I do, too. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be amazing because we were thinking, oh, you know, standard wholesale training. But, you know, we haven't been there, but I get the vibe that they already know what they're doing. (laughs) You know, they're a good shop for sure. Actually, a girl came in. I forgot her name, but she goes to Hawthorne all the time. She came into Cat and Cloud. She said, oh, I know Dylan. He says, you guys are rad. And I was like, we're going next weekend. She won't be there. But, um yeah, come hang. We'll probably podcast that night. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll podcast with Dylon, 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 Dylon. He spits hot fire. He spits the hot fire. <laughs> he rhymes and he rips and he rips and he rhymes. What other news is there? I mean, we have our grand opening celebration on the uh, 18th of this month. It's a Friday. So we're going to be giving out free espresso, and there's going to be some some music by DJ Alex Riviera. Boris Evergreen himself's coming down to the old shop, and then we've got <laughs> <laughs> we've got <laughs> Gordo Gustavo's barbecued tacos coming in. They're um they're kind of like a Tex Mex style taco. He's got three different meats. Those are on the house from twelve to five. So uh, we're gonna sell them, not sell them. We're gonna give them away till they're gone, and that's pretty much the way it rolls. Chris and Charles and I will be hanging out with our epic staff, ready to serve you guys all day on that Friday. So. Make the trip down and high-five us because we'd love to celebrate our first two months with you. It's going to be so tight, so tight. we got a bunch of merch coming in very soon mm-hmm. also. We so we've got a sweatshirt, a zip-up, and we have a T-shirt that are designed by Nick Vargas who did the big mural that's in our store of the True. cat riding the cloud. His True story. Amazing. Also going to put that on the clean canteen. The stuff is all supposed to be here before Thanksgiving. So keep on the lookout. We also have a holiday mug that was designed by Kristen, who is one of our baristas slash shift lead. She's amazing. She is awesome. She's an awesome barista, awesome shift supervisor, but she's also undercover. She's an amazing artist. Amazing. So she made us a sticker and we're doing some stuff on mugs. We got a couple other things. We got a mug coming out with Companion. Yeah. The bake shop that supplies our pastries and also uses our coffee over there. So it's got toast on one side and cat and cloud on the other. Combination. Great combination. Oh, bonus. <laughs> yeah, it's going down. It's going down. We also have some more things from Pine, Pine Flat Ill and Sean White and those handmade ceramics coming in. And uh, some of that will be for sale as well through the holiday season. Flat underscore white on Instagram. I check think that's, ceramics. that's the whole situation right there. That's the whole enchilada. That's the kit and caboodle. And get ready because we got a bunch of fun things coming down on the podcast over the next month. And thanks for sticking with us through this crazy time of our lives where we've been busier and more insane than ever. I took a nap today and uh, it's the only thing that saved my life. 
<laughs> Tweet that. Tweet it. Tweet that. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. This has been the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast, and I think this might be one of my favorite episodes. Really like talking about the waves. And um, Jared coined the term tsunami. And with that, we'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs> Peace. R.I.P. Third wave. All right, y'all. We're going to take a little break and give a shout out to Curtis Brewers. Curtis has been pretty amazing to us over the years, and they have some pretty cool stuff going on. This is their 75th anniversary this year. They are the first company to bring digital digital technology to brewing. Going digi, straight digi. I think one of the coolest things they do is they do a 48-hour turnaround on all orders. So if you need a brewer in like two days, you can get that. Yeah, and mo- most of the time it's actually faster, which is a trip. Uh, the other thing is that they're a family-owned company, and we're super down with that. They are four generations deep, and they have really built themselves a legitimate empire. We really believe in the family-owned and operated deal. They're from California, which is where we're from. So You know what's cool in California? We love it anymore. Solar. Solar. Energy efficiency. They have, what, 38,308? They have, like, some odd thousands of solar panels. So many solar panels that they are 90% neutral in their energy use. So if that's not enough shout-outs and that's enough reason to get involved with these guys, I don't really know what it is, Chris. I got one more. Coffee tastes awesome. Oh, yeah, we drink it all the time out of Curtis Brewers. That's just, like, a bonus, I guess, though. Yeah, I mean, if you want good coffee and an awesome company. If you want coffee, yeah. And it's not Cat and Cloud, try Curtis.